about the wanderers in all gold and black You better retreat cause we're on the attack The strength of the wolf is the strength of the pack We're Wolverhampton, we're on our way back Well, hello everybody, welcome to episode 301 That's 301, it's the ENS Wolves Podcast. I'm your host Nathan Judah, live from London. Uh, come in, Mr. Liam Keen from Warwick. Good old Warwick, Mr. Liam Keen. Are you there, Keno? I'm there, and I'm, hey. I'm, I'm feeling um, a little bit better this morning. Ooh, tell you what, this time yesterday, there were peaks and troughs going on in the old uh, Big London apartment. Um, just about to set off for the game, uh, but uh, I think I think we we had a we had a nice little weekend, bar the game, obviously, but uh, how, uh, how's, how's the morale in the Keen household today? Are you refreshed? Are you hydrated, most importantly? I am. I am. You know, you, you've got to look after yourself. And after we um, had a very enjoyable evening, um, I, I uh, yeah, it was a little, I wasn't bad. I've been a lot worse, don't get me oh, wrong. A I'm lot sure. worse. I'm sure. Um, um, but it wasn't 100%. I was, uh, there, there was, there, and there were moments, I think just after I got to the stadium as well, just before I ate, there was a moment where I was like, mm, yeah. I don't feel good here. No. Struggling. No. So for people who, who, who don't know, and uh, I probably I think we mentioned it in the live potty, which we'll come on to in a little bit later, but um, on Saturday, myself and Liam took the trip down to London a day early so we could have a bit of a, bit of a works night out. When I say works night out, it was, it was me and Keno. Um, for you know, just a bit of a pat on the back, and you've done a good job this year, mate. So I thought we'll have a bit of a bit of a London night out. Kick off four thirty on the Sunday, so you know we'll start off early-ish. We'll be back in by one o'clock, a little bit buzzed. Have, watch a bit of a show, get to bed, and then maybe a bit of a brunch the next morning. So we leave at uh, seven o'clock at night. So about we had a first our first booking at seven o'clock, didn't we? Yes, just after I think, but yeah. Little private members bar in a in a, in a fancy hotel at seven seven p.m. Yeah, five ten a.m. on Sunday morning. <laughs> it's unbelievable, isn't it? <laughs> just trying to get an Uber. Uh, yeah, it, was, it got a little bit messy, mate. But at the same time, I, it was a, it was a banging night, and uh, I, I thought I'd try to show you some of the um, alternative alternative establishments that don't include a spoon at the end in London and uh, what did you think of your uh, your evening mate? I thoroughly enjoyed it. Look, you know, I do like a little bit of oh, class and style here and there mm-hmm. but we all know I'm cheap. <laughs> I'm a cheap date. Um, I am. We, I, never never thought. Um, but we went to some places that were you know a bit more a bit more highbrow um, <laughs> And without giving too much away, yeah, it can yeah, we can't give of, too much away. You no, know, you, you know, you've got to keep some things back. Keep, you know, keep people teasing them. Um, without giving too much away, I could I could summarise the night by giving well, giving a little bit too much away in terms of the uh, the visual. I was oh. in the shower. I know people. A lot of people like the idea of me being in the shower. Where are we going here? A lot of people like the idea of that. The following, well, I said morning. It was mid, it was midday by the time I was in there, and I may have let a little burp out. I may have been able to taste champagne. Oh, baby. Did not feel great at that moment in time, I'll be <laughs> honest with you. And that that could give you a little flavour of what the night was like, the, that kind of uh, beverage. It, it, was, it was a delight. I, um, I've, got the, um, I've got the old bill of what was spent that night. <laughs> oh, God. 
I'm not sure what it was though. No, no. It it was it was it was more than a tenner, should we say that? <laughs> it was less than a grand. It was less than a grand though, so that's okay. Oh thank God for that. For you. J- just <laughs> oh, it was a good night though mate. it was a good night um look and um yeah we got to the got to the ground and uh, look we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit but no it was a uh, it was thoroughly enjoyable and like you say you know cocktail there's some there's some fantastic bars mate fantastic Very bars. Good. i'm sure we've got a few people who dm us and stuff like that so if they do um it's important i think in london as well you can i'm not a massive fan of and i've done this before i'm sure a lot of other people have done it if you're going on a night out in london and you go to one place for dinner and then you go to the next place and it's a cab away then you've got to get an uber to another place and you've got to get the tube to another place and these places are great but they're all so disjointed so my aim for you was to stay in a stay in an area where we can where it's walkable which was achieved and also um, the, the quality has got to be high, and I felt the quality was high throughout. So um, yeah, it was um, it was decent. It was decent. It was, it was a bit more than decent. <laughs> it, it was it was very nice. It was very nice. Um, I'm a, I do like a little whiskey as well. And there was a couple of oh, bourbon based that you, oh, cocktails that I had God. that were oh, top draw. Mate. Oh, oh, fantastic! Uh, right, so um, that was the night out, and let's rewind back. 48 hours, Liam, and we're both at Molyneux, and I've got to say a huge, huge thank you to everyone who attended the live podcast. I know I edited edited it the next day, got it live um, Friday evening for the Sunday game. The reason I got it live Friday evening, not Friday afternoon, is because it took me overall, from start to finish, eight hours to edit. Uh, As you can understand, when we say live and uncut, it was live and uncut on the live show, so I had to make it a little bit more pg for the, I let a couple of things go, but PG. So I understand that probably listening to it is not the same as being there, but I want to give you all a bit of a taster and hopefully we get to see you next time if we forget to do it. But Liam, what a night. Fantastic. We th- both thoroughly enjoyed it, didn't we? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, without trying to sound too soppy, the mm. idea of having that many people come out and supporting us in the podcast, for me, having not done a live one before, it was... A little bit surreal, um, but when the, you know, when the like, old announcement came out, mate, and I introduced <laughs> you, and the music hit was the old arse a little bit twitching oh, in the mate. Uh, backstage. Mate, I tell you, um, I, surprisingly, by the time I was on stage, I felt fine. Maybe the first couple of minutes, and you're getting into the flow and the groove of things, but had uh, nothing to do with the three beers and a tequila that was waiting for you on stage. <laughs> well, it had something to do with that, um, but genuinely, you know, felt at home at one with the stage and the mm. mic uh, <laughs> it's unbelievable Christ <laughs> but when obviously Johnny who did an excellent job uh, comparing for us even if he is uh, a baggy bag um, <laughs> wow we're not on the live show now I'm going to have to cut that out I know you're giving me an edit already after six and a half minutes uh, I, oh, I, you know what? Like, I, I, still I, felt, drunk. I felt a little bit bad for that, but I knew that was going to be an edit job, and I still threw, I still threw, <laughs> I still threw it in there. Unbelievable. Uh, I'm sorry, I do apologise. But um, despite that, he did an excellent job comparing. Um, when he introduced you, you go on, mm. your music hits, you do all your um, few minutes uh, warming everyone up and, and before bringing me on. Um, and then I hear you go, Right, should we bring him on then? And I went, oh God, <laughs> here we go. Arse is everybody, going. everybody was like, uh, uh, yeah, there was a smattering uh, of, uh, of of approval, wasn't there? there? There wasn't that many people who were like, yeah, come on, get him on. Um, and what, to be fair, you know, a joke at my expense there from you was perfectly timed. Um, and then, yeah, the music comes on, I'm walking on, and I tell you what, mate, there is sweat in places that not, there's not been sweat before. <laughs> I was, I was 
nervous. Not I wasn't ridiculous, but I was, you know, visibly uh, <laughs> concerned. Um, but as soon as you were on there, it felt good. You know, warm welcome. First few jokes landed. Got into the you know the sitting down and the and the football chat, which most people are there for. And uh, yeah, it, it was a brilliant night. Really, really, really enjoyed it. And I think we're you know hoping and planning to do some more in the future as well. So you can't complain. Yeah, £4,700 erased Wars Foundation as well, which was absolutely amazing. Uh, I think most people have been who, who won the silent auction, they've been um, contacted, so we'll get them sorted out. Spot prizes on the evening as well, gave away the signed shirts uh, for people. That, I mean, I've got to give a couple of shout outs. First of all, well, first of all, there was a lovely, I had a lovely chat with him as well. There was a couple who drove all the way from Norwich. Oh, Lovely couple. Well. Oh, yeah. absolutely fantastic. Who um, got on the front row, bless them, and uh, it was lovely to have a chat with them at the end. That's some of the nice things as well, is that we've, we've completed the show, finished it, and we can have a chat with some of the people who, you know, it was, it was a late one. It was probably around 11 o'clock. I don't think we got out there until nearly midnight, Liam. So um, to have a chat with them, fantastic. Um, the poor gentleman, again, absolutely lovely, lovely um, fan who drove from London, won... A, f- a, f- a fabulous prize. We picked his name out. He came to pick it out. Um, chose the uh, got the uh, got the signed shirt from last season with everybody's name from the squad. The Joe Hodge signed and play and worn training top. Or he could have gone for the mystery box, and he chose the mystery box. And <laughs> got Bruno Large signed shirt oh, and traded it in. I felt really bad. And when I was speaking to him afterwards, I'm like, he's even he's what a lovely guy he is as well. So I felt terrible, but. Um, I think I might have given him a mug or something. Oh, there were mugs as well. Mugs we gave away, free mugs. People are people are asking me, they're DMing me for a mug, mate, but we're sold out. We're gone. Uh, I mean, they were they were surprisingly highly sought after items, considering our mugs were on there. See what I did there? Ah, very good. Unbelievable. Christ. Is that the sort of material we're working with these days? That is the kind of a high quality. Kind of quality. <laughs> that's, why only eight, that's why it was only eight quid a ticket on the night. <laughs> but uh, yeah, hopefully everybody had a good night. Uh, we certainly did, and you know. Of course, we've got a bit of entertaining with some of the games and stuff, but the, the content and of course that will always um, be the most important thing. And there were a few nuggets in there, Liam, and some, some important discussions that we'd had, and we'll continue those going forward into, into this podcast. But yeah, hopefully we'll get one or two in next season if we get the green light and, uh, and you know maybe a little bit of a bigger venue because I know some people missed out. So thank you very much for supporting it, and we will see you very, very soon. Right, uh, let's get into the nitty-gritty. Oh, Liam, Arsenal 5, Wolverhampton Wanderers 0. Has it, um, does it feel any, feel any better this morning, or is it still pretty gross? It's still Talk, pretty gross. Talking about the game and not the champagne burst. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of both. Um, yeah, it, it, it's not good. Um, I don't think you can be too dramatic and read uh, too much into it. I think these kind of performances do happen to teams at the end of seasons. Um, you look at Southampton, Liverpool playing out of 4-4. You know, things happen, but at the same time, you've got to be realistic. And Wolves were really poor on the day. Really, really poor. And the warning signs have been there in the season. Obviously, Brighton's the one that stands out. The warning signs have been there going into next season, the way that Wolves have scored 31 goals in 38 Premier League games, the lowest, uh, Everton I think on 34 uh, is the the closest, second lowest, so um, not good at all, Uh, as I say Southampton obviously scoring four, they went up to 36 uh, because they were on 32, so um, Wolves weren't particularly close to any teams around them in terms of goal scoring, and then the biggest for me uh, red flag from the Arsenal game is the way that they defended. Um, Hugo Bueno has been excellent this season, by and large. Had a very good breakthrough campaign. Did really well, actually, against uh, Saka at Molyneux. 
and then he got absolutely terrorised by the England international, didn't he? I mean, absolutely destroyed by him. No surprise to come off after 45 minutes. Um, and, and no one else in the defence was much better, if we've been honest. Semedo left Xhaka for the first goal. Kilman, quite a poor, lazy flick out of the ball for the second goal. Uh, Collins got caught in possession a couple of times, got caught flat-footing the box a few times. Um, I thought Collins and Kilman were marginally better in the second half and probably both better than, than, than the two full-backs. But again, I'm dragging positives out of it because the back four were, were pretty poor. And that, for me, was the biggest worry because if you're going to concede goals like that, albeit against a very good uh, team in Arsenal... That's warning signs for me for next season. You've got to correct that. And it's no surprise that that happened when Craig Dawson wasn't in the team. And I'll go as far as to say when Totti Gomez isn't in the team. Um, I think they're both the most natural defenders at the club. And when you don't have either of them, you see the way Wolves suffered for it. What did you think of the team selection on a whole, as a whole? Um, as a whole, I didn't think it was awful. There was a few question marks. I think Dawson, again, question mark. I can understand the reason for not playing him because you know you're trying combinations of centre backs out. It was Dawson and Collins last week. It was Collins and, and Kilman this week. Obviously, Collins hasn't played a lot as well recently. I can understand the decision. I think from a purely footballing point of view, in terms of getting the result, it doesn't make any sense. In terms of trying things out for next year and giving other players a chance, it makes sense. But that for me would be the biggest one. Totti didn't really deserve to lose his place. Albeit I wasn't massively shocked that Bueno came in because he, he has swapped them over a, a little bit. Those two sort of interchanged them. Neves, not a massive shock. I, I would have I guessed that he would start, but not a massive shock that he didn't. I think it's obvious he's, he's likely to move on in the summer. Other than that, you know, I probably would have called the majority of that starting eleven. Um, he was giving players... Uh, most players um, a chance for ones that are going to be here next season and a couple Jimenez he felt bad for the Molyneux snub and Adama he clearly wants to keep um, other than that it was players that you know this is what I've got for next year a, a little bit of a message and, and in some ways it worked in the manager's favour because they were awful they were awful but but why Liam like these are still professional footballers and they were like they were dreadful on the day I know Arsenal were good and they were wounded but they've had a shocking last month of the season and there were a lot of, you know, Mikel Arteta picked a very, very strong side. He wanted to put on a bit of a show, I think, and was he was obviously very frustrated with the way things have ended up for Arsenal. So it was always going to be a difficult task. But some of the, I can't, I can't defend some of the mistakes made uh, yesterday. They were absolutely schoolboy errors. I mean, three, four, five of them could have quite easily been hauled off at half time, and they could not have had any kind of grumbles whatsoever. Absolutely. Um, Bueno, as we said, came off at half-time really poor. Nunes, I did see him after the game, actually, when I was down in the mix zone. Um, I did see him getting uh, sort of hobbling towards the the coach. He got clattered, didn't he, in the first minute. So I think there was probably, um, you know, a fitness injury concern there with him coming off at half-time. But he was also pretty, pretty dire in that first half. And he wasn't the only one, obviously, but, you know, he was... Anonymous in midfield, um, not helping at all in some defensive phases. Particularly, there was one with um, with Bueno having to having to sort of step out, and, and Nuno's not helping to cover. Um, but then going forward as well, I mean, how many times did he get the ball in, in any kind of dangerous position? Very rarely at all. So um, yeah, they're, they're, those two at half time were, were were pretty obvious ones to come off. Again, dragging some positives out of it if I, if I can. Huang, I thought, had a decent first half in comparison to everyone else. You know, he was desperately trying to make something happen. A few good runs. 
Adama played the full 90 and was probably Wolves' best player just about. Um, and that's without, you know, really making anything happen, but at least trying to make something happen, showing for the ball, going on runs, taking players on, being proactive. Um, because unfortunately, Jimenez looked isolated, yes, to his to give him a little bit of leeway. But at the same time, I mean, every time the ball came into him, it was a heavy touch. He was giving possession away, holding the ball up. It was it was falling away from him. He was getting bullied off the ball. You know, nothing stuck for him. Um, and when you don't have that, it's, it's difficult to build the play up through the thirds when you haven't got the striker, particularly in that 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1, when you haven't got that lone striker sharp. And he didn't look sharp at all. He looked the opposite of it. And, and, and I think Wolf suffered because of that. Um, just a word on, on Jimenez. Um, I mean, Lopetegui's come out and said that they want to keep Raul Jimenez next season. Do you feel that that was very genuine and, he's, and he's, he really wants to have him there? Or is it a case of, oh, we'll come on to it in a little bit with the discussions they're having and that there might not be money there. He's like, well, we can't afford to, to let him go because we need as many bodies as we can. It's, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because they've got to... If they do sell him, obviously they're going to save on the wages, they'll get whatever money they get in for him, but I think we're both in agreement here. They're not going to get a big fee for Raul Jimenez at this point. No. You'd struggle to get into double figures in, in the millions probably, wouldn't you? I think we, we both said maybe seven to eight-ish, something like that. Um, it's not going to it's not going to make a huge dent financially. Um, obviously the wages will help as well, but... That, you've got to balance that up with again, as you say, you know, you lose him next season, and we don't know what's going to happen with Fabio. We don't know what's going to happen with Kalajic's fitness. Costa at the moment probably isn't going to be staying around. Are you then light on numbers? You know, the, the balance between the two. Um, do I think Lopetegui genuinely wants him to stay? Um, I think he'd be open to it. Do I think he's desperate for him? I don't think so. Um, I, th- I think you've seen the way he's been used. Um, I don't think he'd be desperate for him to to, to stay at the club. But equally, you've got to look at the context and go back to November when Lopetegui arrived at the club and he was clearly unhappy that Jimenez was going off to the World Cup. He asked him to stay. The player didn't want him, wanted to, wanted to go and play. Um, obviously, it didn't work out well for him because he clearly wasn't fit to be playing. Um, and all, I'm not in any way suggesting that they've fallen out, but there was clearly, you know, they got off on the wrong foot. There was a disagreement there to start with. And I'm not convinced that, that he's his kind of player either. So... Um, it's a big decision. He's one of a, quite a few big decisions around, really, for the summer. Um, obviously, manager dependent as well. But I think the player would be keen to move on as well. The player would be keen to, to go and play. And, and for him, that him being snubbed at Molyneux and then in tears as he was saying goodbye to the fans uh, after the Everton Didn't seem game, to be a player who was going to be here next season. That, that, that was a player saying his goodbyes. Now, we've seen Neves in the last season or two be emotional and, do, and, and, and say goodbyes, but there was a, it was a different level of emotion with Raul. Mm. I think he, I think for him, it was this is a 100% a goodbye. At the club, it's, let's be honest, he's played his best football in his career at. Before mm-hmm. he arrived at Wolves, he was very much a bit part, sub, mm. striker, Benfica, Atletico Madrid. Came to Wolves, scored double figures in his first season, second season gets 27, absolutely unplayable at times. And uh, easily his best football by by a long way. So he he's got very happy memories here, and he obviously loves the club. Albeit he's made mistakes this season, and that for me would look like a goodbye. So it would be a it'd be a big surprise if he's here next year. Um, I mean he left players out, didn't he? I mean, Ruben Neves, I, I can I can understand to a certain extent. Came on in the second half, didn't he? And um, you know, 
we can talk to a blue in the blue in the face about about Neves and what's going to be happening with him and likelihood of course is that he's not going to be here next season but you know other players who are going to be there you know, the likes of Sarabia the likes of um Craig Dawson you know these kind of players we're expecting to see and and, and not not no sight of them why do you think that was do you think that he wanted to see certain players and and get a bit more of a look at them the likes of of Nathan Collins or or was it was it a bit more of a of a message to the board and a message that look this is what you are leaving me with this se- next season okay you can argue that Trio probably won't be there next year Raul I'm not sure but at, at the moment he's still Wolves playing he's got another year left uh, or, or was it was it just he, he picked a horses for courses team and he wanted to he wanted to try and get a result and that was that was the best team that he could put out there so a bit of both, but one I can say for certainty, one I think we only can only speculate on what Lopetegui meant, but I think they're both true, and I'll explain why. The, the first point, looking at players, he made it very clear once Wolves were safe, there was three games to go, that he wouldn't allow sentiment to come into it, and we know how that, we know how that worked out, but he would bring players in to have a look at them and see what he's got to work with for next year. Uh, Bilkar Troy, for example, a player who... Lopetegui really, really loved when he went to Marbella on that warm-weather training camp. He then picked up an injury and he was gutted when Bubakar got injured. Since then, they signed Jao Gomez, obviously Lamina came in. They had a lot of midfielders. Joe Hodge was doing really well at the time when he was playing. They had a lot of midfielders. Bubakar had a bit of a setback with his injury as well. Picked up another small knock when he was on his way to getting back. Had a bit of a nightmare. Eventually gets fit and doesn't doesn't get a look in at all until these final two games. Um, comes off the bench in both of them, fairly briefly, obviously. But you know, he wanted to see him and wanted to give him a chance. Same with Collins; he wants to see him. I think he's he's been quite uh, complimentary of Collins actually to say, you know, I, I think he's been unlucky not to play more under me. But obviously, Dawson and Kilman have done really well as a partnership, uh, and Dawson was always going to play week in week out when he arrived. So there were players to definitely look at. Bentley, another example, hundred percent. But I think you can only come to the conclusion, and we, we both agree on this, and I think it's fair, that at the same time, the vast majority of the players in that starting eleven were players that are going to be here, likely to be here next season, and players that I think Lopetegui needed to show to the powers that be that I need a little bit more. Um, did he want to go and lose the game? Did he throw the game? Absolutely not. He's not that kind of manager. I don't think any manager is really. You know, you want to win that game. You want to put on a good performance. At the same time, you've got to show what it is you've got to work with at the moment. He does need a little bit more, uh, I think it's fair to say, after this season. And that was, a for me, a, a veiled message. Um, now the manager might come out and say that's, <laughs> that's, that's nonsense, but we can only interpret it the way that we see it. And I think we're both agreed on that. You mentioned, you know, it's been, of course, out reported now that Max Kilman could be one of the surprise names that potentially could be could be sold in the summer if they need to create funds before they can spend again. And of course, he's one of the most saleable assets in terms of valuation on the current market. I think that's that's fair to say uh, with his situation, of course, being English as well. So you, you can add quite a bit onto that fee. Now, if if Max Kilman, let's say is not here next season and you were left with Craig Dawson and Nathan Collins, do you feel that Nathan Collins, who's started off the season, of course Wolves are struggling badly, I'm not saying it's all Nathan Collins' fault, absolutely far from that, but then has come back in and had a couple of games towards the end, do you feel that Nathan Collins could be a, a starter for Wolves next season and would it be good enough for Wolves to, to you know, 
mount a challenge or, or be, you know, at least be comfortable mid-table? Or do you think they would need to get another asset? Of course, you, you know, I can add Totti Gomez to that, who's, got, who's received his first senior Portugal call-up today. I know his best work recently has been at left-back, but is a centre-back himself. Um, can, can, Wolves, can Wolves cope with the loss of Max Kilman, or, or do they need to bring someone else in, would you say? Well, thank you for bringing Totti up. Um, mm. Congratulations to him with his yeah, senior call-up. Really pleased for him. Um, you, I think everyone listens to this and you know that I, I've championed him for quite a while. I genuinely rate him as a player, not just because he stops and does interviews with me, um, <laughs> <laughs> unlike most of them. Yeah. Um, ge- genuinely rate him as a player and um, I genuinely do think that he could be uh, an important player for Wolves next season going forward. So just to make that point briefly, I, I think that's fair. On Collins particularly, it's a, it's an interesting one because he's had good moments this season. But he's had a lot of poor moments as well. Um, a lot of ups and downs with him. What you can see is, I think, quite a raw ability there. Um, he's shown it at his previous two clubs, Stoke and Burnley as well. What he does have off the pitch and the kind of character he is, um, he's a good character in the dressing room. The He's liked amongst the players... He's quite demanding of himself and those around him. He's he, for someone who's twenty-two years old. He's he, he gives off leadership uh, qualities and vibes. Really, I would say mm-hmm. you know, he, he's got someone. He's someone who could be a future captain. Has he done enough this season? No. Will he get better? Yes. And do Wolves rate him very highly? Yes. So, you know, I, I said this as well on here. But, you know, other clubs even now after the season he's had, which has not been by any means dreadful, but definitely not to you know the extent he would like. You still have clubs now that that show interest in him. Good Premier League clubs that 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 rate him. You know, United were linked with him when he was at Stoke, and I think there's been reports about um, Fletcher at United uh, recommending that United sign him, and they and they didn't. A um, lot of big clubs like Nathan Collins. I just think the the key word here is raw. There's a raw ability there. I think there's a very good player in there. But I don't think he's quite Wolves starting at 11 quality for next season yet. I think there's a little bit of work to do on that. And for that reason, to your question, if Kilman does move on, you probably need to invest there. Now, then it comes back to the question, is Connor Cody a player that comes in and replaces Cody? Um, there's, there's, there's a lot of different things that can happen, of course. Uh, depends on whether Everton take the, the option on Cody. But... If you let Kilman go, you probably need to to bring a signing in. As much as I rate Totti, and he is also a left-sided player, I think just for depth and quality of depth, you need to to bring someone in to replace him. Okay, good stuff. Um, Right, I guess it brings us to the bigger question of Lopetegui, doesn't it? Um, Future-wise, I'll ask you you straight away, is Lopetegui going to be here next season, starting the first first game of the season? My gut feeling is that he will be. Um, So... He'll probably be gone by uh, June fourteenth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I, my, my gut feeling is he will, because it would take another club to come in um, for him to leave. I, I would, I would say, his reputation means a lot to him. But would he walk away from he, from a, you know, a multi million pound contract without another club lined up? I'm not sure he would. Mm-hmm. Equally, we've seen when he was. At Spain, and obviously went to Real Madrid. That you know, he's, he he has got previous of you know lining up other moves. Mm-hmm. So let's not pretend that you know he's not going to be busy in in the background at the same time. 
Um, but he does genuinely want to be at Wolves. Uh, mm. I, I completely uh, believe that and agree with that. But he also wants Wolves to be a team that is looking up and mm. not facing this kind of season they are now. And that's where he's looking for some of these... Um, I suppose clarity is the word. He's looking for clarity on, on what they're going to be able to do in the summer, the kind of players mm. and the squad he's going to have, what the squad's going to look like, the changes he can make to that squad, mm-hmm. and then have an idea of where he can go in, in, in the summer. So my gut feeling is he stays... But there's a lot of moving parts here. So it's not the most exciting of answers because there's so many ifs and so many buts at the moment. Um, but, I, I, yeah, my gut feeling is that he stays with Wolves. But I, you know, I've said in the newsletter today, I've said, you know, realistically, Liam, and there's got to be... This is a massive summer for Wolves. You know, huge summer, huge overturn of players. I know we said there's not a lot of money there potentially at this moment in time, but in terms of members of the squad, out-of-contract players, saleable assets, players you're going to be bringing in, it could be the biggest overhaul of players since, you know, pre, pre-Nuno, pre just when Nuno was taking over, because there's a lot of question marks in this squad. One of the players who are, are they good enough? And two, who's staying, who's going? And if you've got to raise 70, 80, 90, 100 million pounds before you're going to start spending, that's, that takes a huge, huge amount of work, not just from a, a Lopetegui's level or um, you know from the board, but from everybody around. And these conversations and these plans will have been put into place, I would have thought, not just now, but you know, a month ago when, when Wolves got safe and, and, and probably before that as well, conversation about players, players' targets, etc., but they've got to get on the same page quickly because if they don't, and this rumbles on into the summer, they are going to be behind the eight ball before, you know, you look at teams like Leicester City who have struggled and haven't really moved on and they went down in the last game of the season. I mean, I've, I was completely wrong. Three, four months ago, I think maybe even, maybe a little bit more than that, I said, there's no chance Leicester City will go down. No chance. Look at the squad, look at the players. And I kind of fell into that trap of... You know, looking at how good the players are and knowing that, knowing that I cannot see them in the bottom three and look what happened to them. Now, I'm not saying that will happen with Wolves, but there's a lot of work to be done in this squad for them to get ready for that start of the next season so they can make an impact. And, you know, Lopetegui is not going to accept, let's just make sure we survive and be, and be okay and be in and around where they finish this season, the 10th to 13th, and hopefully a little bit more comfortable. I don't think he came to Wolverhampton Wanderers to be able to try and deliver that. No, of course he's going to have ambitions, isn't he? He wants to bring Wolves forward and, and move them on. Um, what will be interesting, I think, in this uh, this stalemate, if you will, between Lopetegui and the board and, and what the future holds, is it, it comes down to sort of the you know the the, the Salter buy attitude and, and the financial concerns that Wolves are in at the moment. So Salter buy is a bit of a an awkward phrase because you know technically the Wolves could bring players in, but then they'd be taking a massive risk. So to explain this. Wolves need to let the players go before they bring players in for the, the, the sole reason that if they don't let the players go first, they don't know how much money they've got for them and they don't and also they haven't got a guaranteed sale for them and then they bring players in, they're taking a massive gamble with the club's future and the finances. And then that does become an FFP problem. So the the the, the cautious approach the Wolves are having to take this summer is to avoid falling foul of FFP. That's where the concern is for them. And if they do bring players in before letting any go, it will be a massive change in strategy from Foson to keep Lopetegui happy. But doing that would put the club at risk. So, again, it's not exciting for fans, but financially it's a reality that 
Folks are actually making the right decision by saying we've got to, you know, we've got to get some players out first before we can bring them in because we need to make sure Wolves' future is not, you know, in jeopardy. Um, financially, that makes a lot. That makes so much sense. But you've got to try and find a balance between keeping the manager, a manager who is the biggest high-profile manager Wolves have had potentially ever, but certainly in a, in, in decades, um, and he's a manager that a lot of big clubs I think would be happy with. So. You've got to try and find that balance there. Looking at the Semedo issue, for example, um, they had until the end of May to re-sign him with the option they had in, in the uh, in the two-year contract extension. They the whole time they wanted to do it, they kept waiting and waiting and waiting. Whether they were going to stay up or not was obviously a big part of it. And secondly, financially, they had to take a little bit of a calculated risk by take by taking the option when they did. But that was because they would have lost the player otherwise. They now it may now have a knock-on effect in the summer because his wages are really high, and that's if they don't sell him, of course, and they and they keep him. Look at Adama and uh, and Costa at the moment. Lopetegui hinted yesterday that you know he would like to keep them both, but can't because they can't re- they can't afford to re-sign them at the moment. Now, could they tomorrow re-sign them and it would go through financially? Yes, but they'd be taking a massive, massive risk with the finances later in the summer because if they don't sell Neves, they don't sell Raul, they don't sell Johnny. All of a sudden, they will be falling foul of FFP. So that's where the sell to buy attitude in sort of air quotes comes from. Mm. Um, it's a really, really delicate situation because, again, it comes down to this balance. And it's a key word. I've got to keep using it because Wolves need to make sure the club is in a good financial position, which yeah. folks have been very good at, very good at in the last well since since they took over. If we're being honest, they've been shrewd, albeit the sign. It's sort of a lot of the signs recently have been poor, but financially they've looked after the club. They've got to find a balance between that and keeping their manager in position and happy. I don't envy that position because that's a really tough one to try and find the balance for, but that's currently where Wolves are at. If if there's no movement whatsoever and the board and Jeff are stoic in their stance, and could you could you see him saying, no, that's not good enough for me, that's not good enough for my team? Because, look, re- remember... And it's it's a shame because the end to the season has, has definitely soured things slightly. But Wolves were safe with four to five games left, Liam. I mean, he's done a great job. And his stock is very, very high. I think I think he's definitely made some mistakes. Of course he has. I think he made some mistakes at Everton, you know, in terms of... Uh, Raul and, and a few other bits. And a few other bits. But, you know, the defeats against... Against Brighton and, and against Arsenal were, were dreadful, absolutely dreadful. And there's still quite a few fans, I think, who aren't thoroughly convinced with Lopetegui. But overall, I think that most people in the city and also just in, in the UK and in Europe know that Lopetegui has done an incredible job and his stock is high and he is a high-profile manager. This isn't new at all that a manager is, is making big, big, big moves through the media to say that he is not happy. Now, of course, he can tell them directly. I'm sure he has. But he's not backing down from this. Um, but does he need that to happen? Does he need some kind of give from the top level? Otherwise, he's going to be in demand throughout Europe and probably in, in, in the Premier League as well, that if he is available, he could go somewhere else. If he did resign, you know, no compensation, but he has to go and, and, and he could work again. Could you see him? Could you see him walking if that happens, and if he doesn't get any change whatsoever to the situation it is at the moment? Well, look at the, some of his comments yesterday again, and also recently as well. 
he's been firing warnings to Wolves to say, look at the kind of squads of the teams that have been relegated. This season, was, I think the one, one of the quotes, I'm paraphrasing slightly, but one of the quotes from yesterday was, maybe it was a miracle staying up this season, but will, will a miracle happen twice? Probably not. You know, he's, he's, he's firing very clear warnings to Wolves that if you stick where you are now, you don't move forward, Wolves could be a candidate to go down next season. He, he's, he's been serious when, he's, when he makes these, uh, these warnings and these claims. At the same time, every manager wants the kind of you know, input from the, the owners to push them forward and his reputation, his stock, etc. But he, you know, he's, he's high at the moment, as you say. Um, he will be across Europe. And he was already at a very high position across Europe anyway. Do I think he'll walk? Again, it comes back to the money issues. Him personally, obviously, without a job lined up and the money he'll be walking away from. He, he's really got a question mark there between the money he will earn staying at Wolves and his reputation. Mm. Which one means more mm. to him, really, if it comes down to that? His reputation is high, though, isn't it, Liam? His reputation is high, but if he stays at Wolves and gets them relegated next season... Well, of course, that, yeah. That's, that's, that's the difference. So, sure. So that's what, he, that's what he's going to weigh up if, if, if there's no movement with Wolves. But the movement that Wolves can do is only, you know... It only goes so far because the financial situation is a reality mm-hmm. that that they have to be careful and, and be cautious, otherwise they will fall foul of the FFP rules. Um, and at no point do Wolves want to do that. So will there be potentially a little bit of give that saves, that keeps Lopetegui at the club? Um, that's a question mark for Fosun and, and the owners to, to, to answer, make a decision on. There's only so far they can go. If push comes to shove, will they do it to keep Lopetegui in? I'd like to think they might, but there's only so much you can do. And the manager may have to live with the realities of that, and whether he stays or not will then fall on his shoulders. I mean, just circling back a little bit, all this talk of, you know, needs investment, and it's, you know, I'm not quite happy with where we are at the moment. I think it's just tit for tat, really, and I wouldn't be too concerned. The thing that concerns me the most is, is circling back to to a week ago, a week and a half ago, when he said that I'm, I was not aware of these FP issues. I was not aware, I was not told of this. Seems to me a bizarre statement, just because, you know, are you saying that that was not discussed before Lopetegui took, took the job? You're not telling me. I understand the short term was the most important thing. Wolves, bottom of the Premier League. We need, I, okay, well, I need this, I need A, I need B, I need C, I need D in my team to come with me. I need to be paid a, B, C and D, these people do, and I need this amount for a war kitty to sign the players that I need. Yes, 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 we'll do it all. But you know, can't tell me that they, wouldn't, that they didn't discuss this summer, well, six months later. No, that's, no. That's, the, that's the crazy thing to me. That's what doesn't make sense, and that's what worries me. No, I know, I completely agree, because the look at how football clubs work, and this is particularly at the elite level, and Wolves are, are, are no different to any other club at the elite level. They work two, three transfer windows mm-hmm. ahead. Exactly. They plan ahead. They know, to an extent, obviously, you know, things change, but they know to an extent what's coming and what they want to do and, and what they can do. Um, at the same time, I know that there were conversations in January when they were making some of these signings that if we make this signing, it might have an impact on the summer. It could, or it will impact us in, in the summer. And they made those signings anyway. Now, for the right reasons, they had to make those signings to keep Wolves in this league. I think arguably the only player they overpaid for was Mateus Cunha and they did it because it was the man that Lopetegui wanted. They had to beat Everton and, and Leeds to his signature and they backed the manager and got him in. But those conversations were had and Lopetegui would be aware of those conversations. He'd have been involved in those conversations. Mm-hmm. So 
I'm same as you. Surprised to hear him say that he was that he was unaware of the FFP issues. Was he unaware of the extent of it? Perhaps that I think that's you know maybe I'm being too kind to him there by giving him a, giving him a way out. But that would feel more likely to me. Um, but it feels it feels difficult for me to believe that he be, would be completely unaware of where Wolves are at. Um, and look, you know we've seen the messages he's getting out there via press conferences and otherwise to put pressure on. Um, Managers do that all the time, whether you like it or not. It's it's a reality of, of modern day football, and I think he's just trying to get the best he can get for next season. Um, if he is serious about walking or not, obviously that's a concern for Wolves. Mm-hmm. But he, he he's he's been very careful with the kind of messages he put out puts out there, and he's not directly answering those questions. Or, or when the season was on, when we asked him those questions, he wouldn't directly answer whether he was staying or not. He, you know, I've got a contract here, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So. He's not stupid. He knows what he's doing. Put it that way. Um, but I'd be I'd be very surprised if he didn't if he didn't know t- at least to some extent of where Wolves are at. Do you feel that Wolves and Fosse need outside investment for him to be able to do that? Uh, it would certainly help. Um, mm-hmm. it, it certainly would. But and, and when they say outside investment, just for for people who who what do they, what do you mean in outside investment? Can you explain what outside investment is? I mean, of course, in the, the words speak for themselves. But how does that happen? How does that come in? What do they get for that? What does outside investment get for you know adding to the transfer kitty or or, or Fosun's you know Fosun's plans? You know, do they get a statue? Do they get a, a pat on the back? Do they get you know a percentage <laughs> of profit in return? You know, what why why would why would an outside company or an outside organisation invest into Wolverhampton Wanderers? Uh, and and you know what's in it for them? Well, you would imagine that if it was a a, a you know a substantial. If I wanted to put in you know six or seven mil, what am I getting back for it? If you wanted to put in twenty mil, Liam Keane, what are you getting back for it? Or is it just evaporating into into the ether? Might have been monopoly money, I'm afraid. So I'll have to uh, get my notes in order. Um, yeah, look, I mean, look, if if a, if a, a company or a you know an individual, a wealthy businessman or woman wanted to come in and invest in Wolves, you'd imagine that would involve a, you know, a, a healthy chunk of the club, mm-hmm. a stake in the club, um, in return for in, you know, investing in the infrastructure, uh, the stadium, the training ground, whatever it might be. Uh, you know, of, of all of those things, the, the stadium is, you know, there's aspects of the stadium that clearly need work ahead of a lot of other stuff. The training ground's in a great place at the moment, things like that. So you, know, you would imagine that, that would obviously be, would, would, would be part of it. But in terms of the FFP, you know, Wolves would be able to offset some of the losses by with investment. There's a certain section of, of the losses they can they can offset with investment, whether that's Foson or outside or not, and that would help them for this season. But equally, it's, for want of a better phrase, it's kicking the can down the road a little bit because mm. Wolves also need to make sure they balance the books, and that's the key phrase, balancing the books. It's not, <laughs> again, it's not a sexy phrase for Wolves fans to hear, and I'm sorry to be the, the, you know, the bearer of this news, but... Uh, it's, it's the reality Wolves are in because they've overspent in last summer. They overspent in January, uh, correcting the issues from the previous summer. And yes, they just about saved the club and kept themselves up. Um, and they've now got to try and navigate this summer without putting the club in, in financial jeopardy. And that's the... As much as Wolves fans and, and, and us want Wolves to be competitive in the Premier League, you also don't want Wolves to go bust. As dramatic as, dramatic as that sounds, sure. f- for me, that's that's the number one priority and you've got to try and work around that. So, um, yeah, investment would help, but it only helps to a certain extent. It's not going to be a, you know, a, a, you know, 
a magic pill that is going to all of a sudden uh, save wolves from this this reality of having to be cautious this summer. That's that's the position they're in at the moment. I mean, it's it is a strange feeling, isn't it? Because if you'd said at Christmas wolves are going to finish thirteenth, that would be unbelievable, absolutely crazy, and, and and a fantastic achievement. And it is a fantastic achievement. But speaking to the fans yesterday, it's gone. It's not like we finished thirteenth. What a fantastic job! We're looking forward to next year. And what it, it was? How the hell have we finished thirteenth? You know, which because of the way that they finished the season, there just seems a lot more questions and answers. Unfortunately, at this stage, and we're going into the off season with a little bit of a well, a bit more of a negative attitude than I think probably what we thought three to four weeks ago. And it's a little bit. It's a bit of a sour taste. A bit of a bitter taste, isn't it? To 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 be going into the summer with that kind of attitude because look wolves were down and out. Mm. I mean, my word. Well, they were going down. They were going they down. Were, they them. were going down. I mean, uh, actually, looking at um, I, I spoke to Dave Edwards for the column um, earlier today, and I thought he summed it up really well. You, I know you've already mentioned Leicester's squad and how good their squad is and the players they've got, and yes, they've gone down. But look at the difference between Wolves and the difference between those other clubs: Southampton, Leicester. A Leeds, an Everton, a Forest, a Bournemouth, even. When Wolves were bottom, and those clubs were all in that same race, there's nothing about Wolves that was glaringly different to any of the others. Wolves could right now, if nothing had changed and they didn't get the appointment right, Wolves could and probably would be relegated today. Um, mm-hmm. There's no, there, there's nothing glaringly different or obvious about why Wolves should have stayed in the Premier League. Until Lopetegui came in, and of course they had a very, very good January. Those that's a massive part of it as well. But Lopetegui's come in, and let's be honest, he's masterminded keeping Wolves in the league. It's not been pretty at times. There's been mistakes. There's been two or three really bad results. But overall, he's kept Wolves fairly consistent. He's kept them difficult to beat for the most part, and he's dragged results out, and he's kept them good defensively, particularly at home, and they've managed to survive fairly comfortably. Now that should be a cause for celebration and in the end we're sat here talking about the ifs and buts of a summer that seems a little bit uncertain. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, Lopetegui is partly to blame for that um, because he has engaged in these kind of conversations publicly at times as well. For sure. Um, but equally, you know, I've got to do my job, report what I know and, and, and you know, give Wolves fans a kind of insight that, that they deserve on their club and this is the reality Wolves are in I mean look every single football fan wants their club to invest hundreds of millions every single season don't they January summer January summer and the reality is it can't it can't go on it can't there has to be a that you have to do you have to balance the books you have to hopefully create players who you can sell and bring in other players you know and build them up there's a lot of football clubs who have made you know amazing profits with bringing players in for for small money and selling them for for massive massive fees Wolves haven't really done that have they and I think maybe that's why we're getting to a, a sticking point here there's no real player and unless I'm completely wrong who they've brought in from absolute I mean a lot of the players okay can, can I mean I think they, obviously for me Jota was somewhere nowhere near what they should have got for him I think but um, in recent memory I don't think you know Neves could have been sold for for a lot more, but there's not too many that bought in for a small fee, who have gone for massive, massive money, and maybe that's where the issue has that it's caught up with them a little bit. 
There's been a lot of transfer records broken, Liam. A hell of a lot of transfer records broken, but coming in, not going out. No, absolutely. I think it's actually a good point because Neves, you mentioned, I think a season or two ago, would have gone for... You're selling for 60p on the pound now, aren't you, really? Because of his contract, 70p on the pound. But you're not selling for... If he signed a five-year deal, you're not telling me that Ruben Neves is worth exactly what he's going to be sold for potentially this summer. Yeah, exactly. You'd have got more for him. There was a moment as well... um, when Adama was in was in his mm-hmm. you know his best form at Wolves and he was under you know he still had a couple of years on his contract he could have got big money there for him at one point. Um, obviously, you know there was never you know, massive suggestions that Raul would leave, but he you know he was his stock was very high. Obviously, at one point Jota left, as you mentioned. There's quite a few, quite a few that Wolves could have got a lot more money for. Um, but you can't criticize Wolves necessarily for not selling their best players because I think that's unfair on the club to do that. Um, but sometimes the kind of club Wolves are, the position they're in, you look at a Brentford, a Brighton, these kind of teams, push comes to shove, there's a time when you probably do need to let a player go and make that decision and make the kind of money we're talking. I mean, look at Leicester selling Harry Maguire. It's, it's, you know, it's difficult to make these clubs pay this money, but a lot of clubs that, you know, at the higher end will regularly splash out cash and if you've got a player who's playing well Neto again before his injury is one that could have picked up big big transfer fees and he, he may still do that because he's got a long contract still I can't criticise Wolves for not doing it but there's a time and a place when it needs to be done and Wolves have not quite found the timing right there in future I think that's something to, to improve definitely um, but you've also got to try and be ambitious and try and push the club forward as well so I can't have a massive go at them for not selling players, but you've got to try and be maybe a little bit more cuter with with the way that you uh, generate funds. Just taking it back onto the field, Liam, before we take some questions. Um, are, we, do, are we any any wiser into what Lopetegui wants to play? I think that's what the confusion is for me a little bit at the moment, is that I don't know what Lopetegui's best formation, tactics... Um, you know, playing dynamic is going into next season. I'm none the wiser, really. And I get that he's handcuffed slightly with the players that he's got and he's got to make the best of the situation. But I thought we might have seen a little bit more about what Lopetegui wants to create, especially in these last two to three games when they were safe, into at least the style and the playing attitude that he wants to deliver next season. It's a, it's a very good question because... Um... I've been trying to wrap my brain as to how to to discuss it and analyse it and come up with some sort of answer because mm, I, don't, I don't really know what Lobatee does want from this Wolves team. No, now, that, um, that's the problem. So that's the great insight that I've got for you today. Uh, it's, but, but people are thinking, I'm thinking, you've obviously thought, I've thought, it's the first time we've discussed it now, and I didn't send you notes beforehand, but it is it is like, what what's, what's a Lopetegui team doing? What, what, you know, what are you getting from that? What does he want to play? Yeah. I think there was a... Um, a couple moments of season, but one that really sticks out was during the win of Brentford at home, when Wolves looked. They were more energetic. They were more free flowing going forward. Um, intricate passes. They, they they played, obviously not to the quality level, but they played similar in style to a to an Arsenal. You know, the, it, everything was quick. There was movement. Movement's a massive one, by the way. The amount of times you watch. Wolves go forward and the kind of movement in the box is like, it's statuesque. So that's a massive part of it as well. 
Now, I would like to think that's what we would see from him going forward. And he has played sort of, you know, 4-2-3-1, 4-3-3, these kind of formations at his previous clubs, or at least at Sevilla. So I would like to think that's that's what we're looking at. Um, but he's had to desperately force Wolves into a little bit boring, if we're being honest, purely to get results, uh, to keep Wolves in the league. And he's done that. Clean sheets. He spoke about it consistently when he first arrived. Clean sheets. The number one priority. I'm going to buy everyone food, us included, if <laughs> if um, if clean sheets come in. And because of that, Wolves have stayed in the league. Do they want to take that same approach next season? Um, there'll be moment. There'll be times when they will have to. Of course, they will. You know, they're going to go away to Man City, and all of a sudden, they're going to open up and 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 do what Leeds did under Bielsa in the Premier League, where they were getting stuffed six four. Now, yeah, it's exciting, yeah. but at the end of the day, you're losing. Um, I don't think you want to be doing that. So there'll be times when you've got to be a little bit more conservative. But I think you've got to try and be threatening at the same time and have Wolves carry a threat. I mean, having no shots on target again. Oh, at again, Liam. Again. again. How many times has this happened? And particularly away from home as well. Six shots, none on target. Wolves hardly came close. to. They, they I said after the game, the video we did, they could have played all week. They wouldn't have scored. And that's that for me is the... the the, the crux of the issue when it comes to the style is how he's going to make Wolves perform going forward. It's partly a style issue, and for me, it's partly a personality issue. You've got to have the kind of players that have numbers on the board, and Wolves haven't had that for a few years now. Um, yeah, well said. Should we take some? Um, should we take some questions? Let's do it. I'm looking forward to okay, it. Okay, take some questions. I, mean, I can't believe we chatted away. Nearly fifty-three minutes gone. So. Uh, let's get some here. Da, 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 da. Okay. Mark Evans says, is there any talk from the club about making improvements to the ground? Some parts, especially the Steve Bull, look awful. No, I think um, everyone would, would, would agree that it's definitely something that, that needs doing. Um, in certain areas, Steve Bull being probably the priority of all of them. Um, so, yeah, completely agree with the question. Um, the club know this. The club want to do this. As it stands and as it stood for a couple of years now, it's it's just still not number one priority at the moment. Um, and particularly with what they're facing at the moment this summer, without investment, it probably won't be a priority for another year or so as well. Before I go to the next question, I do need to discuss one important thing and a big success story um, that was Arsenal Football Club yesterday, Liam, and that was we ranked it number two in the old stadiums of the food. Did it, did it live up to expectations for you? Um, so... Uh, Yes and no. Oh, wow. You didn't okay. expect me to say this. Wow. I'm being harsh, but I'm going to say okay. the, the only reason I say the no part of that is there was no Ben and Jerry's ice cream like you promised me. Ah, uh, there wasn't, was there? No, I didn't see that. I didn't see that the fridge had been taken away. Disappointing. Now, that's the only thing. Aside from that, it was top draw. So I'm being very picky. Very, very picky. But no, it was, oh, mate, it's, it's good stuff there, isn't it? Very, oh. very good. That, I mean, that, those cakes. Actually, I did see something that I thought I'd never seen in my life yesterday. And that was Liam Keane not being able to finish a cake, a slice of cake. I mean, I was staggered. Okay, it was only one, one and a half bites left, but crikey, I was absolutely stunned. I know, it was, it was very rich. It was very good, but it was very rich. And obviously it was a little bit delicate as well. And I was like, I'm, mm. not, sure I can, I'm not sure my stomach can handle this. Um, I, it's funny you said that. I saw something I never thought I'd see as well. Go on. That was you, oh, yeah. that was you eating a cake. I was, it was mate. incredible. I had, I had a cake. I had fish and chips at half time as well. I needed, I, I, you know, I think, 
I think we both needed a little bit of nourishment. And to be honest, apart from um, a very small pastry, we did eat. We did eat Sunday, to be fair, morning, but we were sat having food at 4.30 a.m. in a 24-hour cafe in in Soho. So uh, that was probably the first meal we had since then, a proper meal we had since then. So it was a... we needed to indulge, I think, just to soak it up. We did. I, I, to your point there about the the meal uh, after our night out, I've uh, <laughs> I've, ne- I've never had a sit down meal after four <laughs> uh, thirty in the morning after a, a drinking session. Um, it was it was it was interesting. The food was nice. Don't get me wrong. It was good, but yeah, bizarre. Um. Right, next question. Bradders, a good question, Bradders. He says, is there a real risk of Lopetegui losing the dressing room with his very public implication that this current squad is not capable of competing next season? It's funny you say that, because I spoke to a couple of people yesterday after the game. Um, someone did give me a good bit of insight, which I thought would be worth repeating here. And it's nothing that I don't think will surprise people, because you'd be surprised if the manager wasn't saying this. But I think it's important to say it. That the kind of messages Lopetegui is giving in the dressing room at the moment is, and and in training and you know during the week is, you know we'll, we'll go again next season, get ready for next season, all this kind of stuff. Now of course he's not going to do the opposite and be like, couldn't give a monkey's by next season I'm off. Um, you'd be surprised if he wasn't saying that. But it's important I think for fans to know that that is what he's saying. They're the kind of messages he's giving out, and hopefully that bodes well. First of all, um, secondly. I, I don't think a lot of the players are going to read into a lot of the noise outside. Um, you know, it's quite an isolated life at a football club and as a footballer because you just, you know, you, you see what you see. You've got the people around you, in, the, in you know, to your left and to your right in the in the changing room on train on the training pitch in games. I don't think they're going to read a lot into it. Um, some of the sort of English or British or Irish guys might do more. But a lot of the foreign guys, you know, I don't think they even pay any attention to me and you. Basically, is what I'm saying. <laughs> so, um, so I don't think it's. I don't think he's necessarily going to have a danger of losing that at this moment in time. Obviously, you know, next season and results mean everything, and that and that could, you know, it could all crumble. Of course, it could. Um, but I don't think it'll have a big impact right now. No. Okay. Um, do you think Wolves are going to move finances around so they can re-sign the out-of-contract players? He did say he wanted to sign out-of-contract players, but he wasn't available to do it. He still wasn't, couldn't do it um, at the end of the press conference yesterday, Liam. So uh, can they do that? Can they try and offer? When he's saying signing other players who are, who are out of contract, I mean, the, th- the three who come to mind, Moutinho, Traore and, and Costa... I think I think Moutinho is definitely not in that conversation. I'd be absolutely stunned if he was. But you've got to say that, that Costa and Traore probably are the main two, and maybe Traore, I would say, being the favourite in that. So he, he obviously wants to re-sign the players, but um, can they can they move money around so that, that can get done within the next week or two? Because that's when these decisions have got to have to be made. I mean, obviously, they're going to have a little bit more time when it comes to Adama and Costa because, or yes, although they can have conversations with the clubs. Uh, it's not like with Semedo where they were losing the option to re-sign. That, that option at the end of May would have gone and they wouldn't have had it again. Mm. So that's the difference there. You're right, Moutinho is very likely to go. Costa, likely, but they were, you know, they, they, they felt he deserved a conversation at least. Adama, they want to keep. Uh, the manager wants to keep. Uh, the player would be open to staying, but he's, he's, he's definitely flirting with other clubs, um, which, you know, is no surprise. But it comes down to what I mentioned earlier. Could Wolves 
in theory, tomorrow re-sign Costa and Adama if they agreed deals. Yes, they could, but it would be taking a big risk for later in the summer if Wolves can't guarantee selling other players to balance the books. That's why they're reluctant to do it at the moment. And that's why you can understand the manager being frustrated because he's like, well, why can't we just re-sign them? But at the same time, you can't put the club's future at risk because you're not uh, you're not being diligent, really, with, with the money. You're not being smart. Wolves will be in a position where if they, re- let's say hypothetically, they re-sign Costa, they re-sign Adama, and they sign five players tomorrow, and then all of a sudden, Neves' deal to Barcelona or anyone else falls through. Mm-hmm. Jimenez doesn't get a deal. Mm-hmm. Johnny doesn't get a deal. Pedence doesn't get a deal. You're stuck with all of these players at the club, and then Wolves will fall foul of FFP. That's 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 where they are. So that's why they're not able to do it at the moment. Now, will they potentially like they did with Semedo? As I say, they were forced into the Semedo, well, not forced into it, but they were forced to act quicker because of the uh, the option falling uh, going away after after May. Um, will they potentially act on an Adama or a Costa before bringing a player in because they're trying to keep the manager happy or they, they decide the, the risk is worth it, mm-hmm. then yes. But at the moment, they're deciding the risk isn't worth it and that's the problem that they've got. To what extent, says Ted, are Wolves' poor, mainly away performances since December evidence that June Lopetegui is not the person to take us forward? Teams like Brentford and Brighton don't spend exorbitant sums and they continue to improve. Who else would take the head coach role, he says? I mean, there'd be a lot of people that would take it. Are you going to get anyone that's better than Junior Lopetegui? I think you, Big Sam, <laughs> he'd definitely take it. Um, I don't. I think you're going to struggle to find anyone uh, better, or at least at a, a higher, you know, position in terms of his uh, reputation, his stature, what he's done in the game already. Uh, you're going to struggle. So, um, yes, there'll be people that take it, but Lopetegui is is a big manager for Wolves, and they should be trying to keep hold of him. I know I understand the point with the away form, and yes, it has been atrocious this season. Um, but they stayed in the Premier League. The home form has been excellent, and they needed something to give. They've managed to achieve what they wanted to achieve. The numbers, albeit you know goal scoring etc., are still not very good at all. They're a lot better than what they were for the first half of the season. So the improvements have been made largely across the board. I mean, even if we're going to be really picky. The two wins that they've had away from home this season have both come under Lopetegui, but I mean that is being very picky and being mm. quite, quite fortunate for him. But um, I, I think it's a little bit harsh to judge him just on the away form. I think you look at the overall job, and, and I think it's been an excellent one. Um, Wandering Wolf Photography says, if you had to sell one player to fund the trip to Korea for yourself and Liam, who would it be? I think I think this is a question for you. You're 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 the money man. Who who's going? Oh, mate, I'd sell Geddes for twenty quid. Oh, okay. Actually, that's that's a good answer. <laughs> no, you have to get a few grand for him first. But how much do you get us coming for? Twenty-seven and a half. Twenty-seven and a half million. I mean, we talk about FFP, and you look at that, and you go, "That is absolutely pants down material, isn't it?" Really, <laughs> and it's and it's and it is. It's just so frustrating. If you don't laugh, um, you'll cry. Um, well, you know, I mean, no, no, you're right. You're completely right. But it comes back again to. The situation with Mendes and you know mm. trying trying to you know not not stop working with him but move away from being over reliant on him because the Geddes deal was an absolute disaster and that was and that was one that uh, was purely orchestrated by him and Bruno Large obviously wanted it to happen as well. Um, it, it, it was it, yeah, and then overpaying for Nunes. 
I say overpaying, you probably didn't overpay for him, but you paid a lot for a club like Wolves for a player who hasn't performed all year. Mm-hmm. And again, another Mendes one. So, um, yeah, Wolves have made mistakes. They had to correct those mistakes in January. They did that, but they suffer financially because of it um, to stay in the Premier League. Sarsamedo and Collins could all go, says Stuart. Uh, will Rob Edwards be Wolves manager in a year's time? Sar, got to say, uh, got, got, got to say uh, well done to Rob Edwards, by the way. I mean, oh yeah, in the Premier League. I mean, absolutely, the job he did at Forest Green. Then Watford was almost like a free hit. You know what's going to happen there, um, and then and then to take Luton to to the Premier League. I mean, goodness me, absolutely. I mean, I bet you can't, all those Christmases have come at once. I mean, it just shows hard work and effort. And obviously, Rob's a great guy, so. He'll he'll do everything he can next season, and and you know if he could if he could do okay. Bournemouth, if Bournemouth have done it this year. There's no reason why Luton can't. That's not going to be an easy place to go to next season. Um, and uh, you know Rob Edwards, uh, amazing. I mean stocks could not be higher at the moment. Yeah, no fair play to him. I've never met him, but I've um, haven't you? No, no, no. I've never met Rob Edwards. I, actually, oh. I he's think... a good-looking lad, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> I, for actually saying that, I think I remember meeting him when I was when he was a player for Wolves, and I was like, I don't know, ten years old or something like that. I think, but I don't think he'll remember Ooh, that. Rob, um, Rob, oh shut up, man, come Rob, off it. I love you. Shut up. Um, Tell us you were Totty in the tunnel on, on yesterday. Uh, honestly, I'm fucking, I'm, Totty gave <laughs> Stop, Yeah, honestly, what a guy, you think about swearing all the time here? No, Stop no, it. we're no, not no. in a live podcast. Honestly, I, didn't, I no, could no. hear you just about. It was no, 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 no. That time, I swear to God, I didn't, I didn't do that. I was. Uh, no, I know, but I could, I could feel it coming. No, 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 no. I wasn't even gonna swear. It wasn't even what was gonna come out of my mouth. Okay. I promise you, I wasn't. I, I've done my one to wind you up on the podcast. I, there, was, there was no more today. <laughs> I, I was about to say what a player, but you cut me off as you normally do when I'm talking. Jump in. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, no, fair. I've, I've, like I say, I've never met Rob Edwards, but I've heard from a lot of people that he's a he's a great bloke. So yeah, really pleased for him, and 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 yeah, excellent job he's done. Um, Wolves, you know, he's very highly thought of at Wolves as a coach and and, and as a guy. So um, you know, you know, it's a funny world. I think has come back around, um, but I think the, where he's at and where Wolves are at, and obviously with manager a lot in charge. They feel like worlds apart at the moment, but you know, you never know what the future holds. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, on those three players from that question, um, I, I, I take you back to a report I did in January that Wolves would potentially look in the summer for for a goalkeeper again, like they did in mm. in, in January as well. So, look, I think it's something they would definitely consider. Sars not been himself this season, looks devoid of confidence. Um, that's one I would I would yeah definitely consider. Samedo, they wanted to re-sign him because they wanted to keep him. And Lopetegui really likes him, but is it impossible that they sell him? I, I, definitely not. I, you know, he's on a two-year deal now with Wolves. They'll get a decent fee for him. If a club came in, do I think it'd be impossible? No. Um, but the club and the manager like him, so that works in his favour to stay. I would say. Um, and Collins, again, we mentioned him already, but you know, the club rate him. They think for the future he'll be a really good player, mm. and I'd be surprised if he goes anywhere. One thing I do, I do want to say um, quickly, and I think we all take it for granted. Uh, from time to time, but the Molyneux pitch has been absolutely incredible this season. Again, every single game, you know, n- night, day, weekends, midweek, two, three, three games in a week, and the turf has been absolutely superb. And you know, you forget about it sometimes, don't you? But that has been absolutely glorious to play on. And you know, sometimes the performances don't show it, but goodness me, time and time again, they pr- they provide some some quality service, and I just think that the crew deserve a, a massive praise. 
Well, I, I agree. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Uh, Alex, John, Alex Johnson says, why do you think our relationship with Gestafew, which was so fruitful at providing quality plays in the early years, has been so poor at delivering quality in the more recent seasons? Is it all just luck or something else? I mean, I think luck's definitely going to he's going to play a part in it. Of course it is, because Wolves had, as you say in that question, so many good signings from from. Mendes and, and guess a few in, in the early years. I mean, arguably Wolves wouldn't be in the Premier League without the influence there. So it played a big part, of course it did. But look at the signings since then, and probably since the first season back up, since then, um, they've been overall pretty poor. Saar, obviously, for his first year was really good, but second year, very average. He's probably the last decent enough one that you would say. Nunes hasn't worked out this year. Geddes been a disaster. There's others you can name. So it hasn't worked for whatever reason and Wolves now want to stop over-relying. They want to use him, of course they do, like they do every other agent and every other mm. agency, but they don't mm. want to over-relying him. The problem is, mm. obviously, Jeff She's still got a relationship with him and, and sure. speaks to him and, and, and they recommend players and ultimately he has the final say. Um, so it's not impossible, that, despite wanting to do this, that Wolves turn around and sign another player of his in the summer. But that's the attitude they want to take and the manager is on board with that as well so I would like to think that it becomes a more of a healthy relationship rather than an over-reliance Sean says Max Kilman is he genuinely only able to play alongside an experienced centre-half Cody last season Dawson this season it's embarrassing that this implies to him and he's a professional footballer it's worded quite uh, you know harshly that question but I can't really argue with it um, because I think talent-wise He's up there. I think he's a genuinely very talented player. I think talent-wise, he's probably good enough to play for a top six team. Now, some people might scoff at that, but I, I, that's what I think. But talent is not the only thing that creates a footballer, and it's not the only thing that creates a performance on an on any given match day. And Kilman's had a lot of good games this season, particularly under Dawson, as the question says. But there's there's too many times where he does slip up and he allows his standards to drop and he's not a massive massive sort of personality as, as a guy he's a lovely bloke but he's just not a massive personality and I, I don't think I think that holds him back a little bit mm-hmm. um, he needs to be a bit more aggressive I think that holds him back and with that you get the kind of performance that we saw it wasn't don't get me wrong it wasn't you know the worst of the back four but you know he, he didn't play well <laughs> let's not dress it up so it was um it's it's an awkward one because you don't want to have to desperately rely on someone else to play with him for him to play well because of what if, what if there's an injury or whatever it might be, but at the same time when he does play well he he plays really well so yeah it's a it's a difficult one to to, to balance really. Wayne says, have you enjoyed reporting on Wolves away games this season, knowing a defeat is ninety nine percent possible? We always love it, don't we? It doesn't matter. We always we doesn't are, we, matter. We love the job. We love the job. You know, of course we want Wolves to win every game, but. Comes with the territory, um, and unfortunately, it, I mean, hopefully, can't get much worse than what it was this season. But um, we always have a, we always enjoy being around 
different people and different grounds and traveling and probably sometimes traveling together and apart and we, we make the best of the situation don't we and look you know whether win lose or draw i think it's important that we give you as much analysis as we possibly can and reaction you know straight after the games within those first hour hour and a half um and, and hopefully you get the kind of coverage that you guys deserve because and that's the most important part whether we you know whether we are winning or not that we're giving you a bit of an insight into what's going on if you can't make it I could have said it better myself, Mr. Judah. Mm, Perfect. Mm. Oh, bless. Um, Gail says, what's been your highlight of the season? <sighs> Apart from working alongside me, obviously. Oh, well, obviously. Um, obviously. What has been the highlight of the season? Saturday night. Sa- I was about to say that. Saturday night is up there. <laughs> Saturday, genuinely Saturday night is up there. What a hell of a night. Um... <laughs> Have you got anything that springs to mind? I'm trying to think what the best thing would be. Uh, Obviously Liverpool at home, but I'm trying to think of something that's maybe not results-based. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, I hate to go on. I, you know what I'm going to say. I mean, the Gomez goal at Southampton was pretty special. Oh, mate. Just, sorry, Why but it was. It was that me? was kind of probably... Um, I, I, and I would say the, the Chelsea win, just because I thought they're, they're almost there. You're, you are taking the mick now, aren't you? You were there, Chelsea. No, I was not. I was in hospital. Oh crap! Didn't you say that you only missed one game this season? It was two actually. Uh, no, no, no. One game that was not forced. One game that I got home day off. One day where I wasn't on my deathbed. <laughs> How is that, by the way? You're all sorting now, by the way. Nothing, I, I've, uh... I've not had any issues. Not had any issues since. Um, I'm all good. Well, you... it was indigestion, wasn't it? It was not indigestion. <laughs> Come on, man. This was so bad for you. <laughs> oh dear, no. He was. He was. He was sick. The lad. Um, I don't know. What, what would you say? What would you say that's not results based? Uh, I know I've, I've just mentioned the Liverpool game, but I, I, I would pick out the, the Neves goal actually in that game specifically. Yeah. That was a good moment. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go back. I did. Pre season was a lot of fun. I enjoyed yeah. both Spain and Portugal, to be honest. And a little bit more about that before we go, I think. But, um, you know, there's not loads of highlights, I think, for this season, but not that we can talk about. But um, I think that um, there'll, be, there'll be plenty more to come. I think getting Lopetegui eventually. Was a big, a big sigh of relief, and probably you know I know I know you know it kind of splits opinion a little bit at this moment in time. But the job that he has done overall, it, every single war sign would have bitten your hand off if that happened. So you know, getting past the dire straits of, of Bruno and you know, and, and obviously Steve Davis not it's not his fault, but they were heading towards it, and then you know you've, you're so close to getting you know the QPR manager, and um, it would have just been absolutely. I, I feel like would they've gone down. Do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think it's difficult to say otherwise. I think so. I agree. Um, Freezing Wolf says, considering the landscape seems to have shifted in the last few days, um, is Lopetegui still the Wolves manager as the, after the transfer window closes? I think you said yes, prob- yes, Liam, but not 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 guaranteed. But that would be still your th- your um, your thinking. He says it feels like he's engineering a Conte style exit to me. Yeah, no, I could see why you think that as well, considering that. As I mentioned already, he's you know he's got previous for engineering moves, isn't he? So mm. my, I just think my gut feeling is that he that he sticks around, but strange things have happened. Mm. Um, Whitey says, "Are you looking forward to Luton away next season? Surely a first for you too. I've been to Luton a couple of times actually. Uh, Liam, have you been there? No. So this is this is the reason why I'm excited. Um, oh, okay. I'm not excited because I'm expecting it to be." Spurs or Arsenal level hospitality, but I, um, I, I like taking off new ground. So I, hundred percent, want them to come up. So I'm very pleased because obviously Burnley and Sheffield United are grounds I've been to already. So I needed at least one new one for next season. 
Yeah, both not the best grounds to be going to either. Um, Reggie says, where do we finish next season? Thanks to you and Liam Keane for all the great content. You've both been exceptional in what has been an incredibly difficult season. Thank you very much. Reggie, appreciate that. Uh, where do we finish next season? Thank Hard you very much. Hard to say without, without, without looking at a squad, isn't it? Yeah, without a squad, knowing what they're going to do. Um, no, the summer is just so important mm-hmm. in, in, in answering that question so let's um, let's fob it off completely and say mid-table mid-table <laughs> yeah yeah um, yeah I think probably when that I was going to say like 10th 11th 12th something like that but you know if they make the right signings then you know hopefully they're going to be and I think this is what Lopetegui will want I don't think Europe's a definite for them you've got to go and get Europe but I think that they'll want to be in that top half of the table and making a push towards those European conference places you know, slash Europa places, if they get a bit of a run together, I think that's where they want to be. And I think almost you think that that's where Locke wants the team and you almost think that they're just on the other side of that table and maybe that top of the bottom half is where they're thinking just kind of stability a little bit before they can spend again. Yeah, it feels like that, doesn't it? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong, they'd be absolutely delighted if Wolves went on and, and made a sort of European charge. Of course they would, but... That feels about where Wolves probably are, um, but there are warning signs as well. With you know the, the last couple of games, and particularly the Arsenal one, to say that if they don't get it right, Wolves could be in the same position next season. Mm. But I, mm. I, I think they'll be better. But there are the warning signs are there to say you know you've got to book your ideas up. Fifi says, with Liam jigging about to the band the other night, it clearly wasn't Saturday night fever. Who is more embarrassed to be seen with each other? What a band, Kino! Unbelievable, so hey? so good. What a singer. I mean, uh, what, what was her name again? It was. Oh, I've got it written down. I've got it written down. She was so good. Went to, I took him to go and see a jazz band, the lad. And yes, I took. He didn't know what was going on. I took him out. I took him. We went through the the the, um, the doors, and the lady said, "Okay, are you here for the show later?" And he was like, "I was like, yes." And we said, "Okay, would you like to take a seat, go and have a cocktail, and then we'll bring you down." Kino sat down. And he goes. What show are you taking me to here, lad? <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know. You were a bit nervous. I didn't know what was going on. I was a, bit, a little bit concerned. Um, yeah. I, it was it, Vanessa Haynes. Van- I knew it was Haynes. I was trying to remember her first name. Mate, she was, I mean, unbelievable. What a voice. Unbelievable. So, I mean, the other lady as well was a, a magnificent voice, but mm. Vanessa in particular was just absolutely outstanding. The... Um, and it was Leo Green, was it the Leo Green? Yes, yeah, saxophone. The, the sax player. Sax show. He not, 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 not. You might have thought it was something else. With yeah. a different, a different vowel in there. Exactly. The way that we were being led down to the uh, to the basement, but it was the sax show. Yeah, he was top draw as well. He was so, so good. Um, but I, I said, you know, anything to do with music, I'm, I'm into. I love my music. So I was up. We were both up, mate. We were both dancing. I was up dancing, loving it, getting involved. Who was more embarrassed to be out with the other? I mean, we did look at uh, in a very nice cocktail lounge. Like we were very cosy, mate. To be honest, for people looking on, <laughs> particularly at the um, the one that uh, this the second one where I had the the bourbon based cocktails. We, oh, we, were, yeah. very, we were very cosy at the bar, weren't we? Sat up there. It was lovely, brilliant. You did the old Henri Carragher knee squeeze. <laughs> Brendan Rodgers has been sacked. <laughs> oh dear. Um, let's have a look. I'm not going to finish on that. That's too negative. Um, oh, that's too negative as well. Uh, that's too negative. <laughs> Alf says, on a scale of not so effed to unbelievably effed, how effed are we? Says Alf. Well, that's a lovely question. <laughs> you can't it? finish with that, but you can answer it. Uh, not not too much effed. <laughs> mm. I don't know. Good question. Uh, give me a reason to be positive next season, Liam. 
You said that so quickly, I honestly had no idea what you just said. Give me a reason to be positive next A reason to be positive. I thought you were back on the cocktails again, mate. Crikey, can you imagine? I'd have gone out again last night if you you wanted to. And you're you're an absolute animal. (laughs) Um, I forgot the question again, what was it? Uh, give me a reason to be positive. Reason to be positive. I was laughing so much about that, I forgot. Reason to be positive. <laughs> Come on, mate. You can't, why am you can't I, end on these. Come why on. Am I, um, it can't be much worse than it was this year. I mean, it was dreadful. I mean, the fact that it was, I mean, even like the first half of the season was awful. And the fact they have finished 13th, you've got to realise that Lobotique has still finished top 10 since he was around the club, you know, since he arrived at the club, even with those defeats and. And, and, you know, it was still... A, Wolves would have finished 10th under Lopetegui since Christmas. So, you know, you get another half with Lopetegui. You get the kind of players, hopefully, that he gets. And I think he will get his way to a certain extent. I think there's got to be a compromise there. You know, if, if Wolves finish 10th, I mean, that's why we're talking about them being there with a little bit of push. That's what Villa have done this season. They were really struggling, weren't they? Then they got that push up and they're finishing the European Conference, Europa Conference spot. I mean, if Wolves can get that 10th and be in and around there for what he's achieved and then have a look and have a bit of a run, I think that's exactly where... Uh, look, Wolves fans aren't calling for top seven, top eight, top six. They're not calling for that. They're calling for progression. And I think there will be progression there this season and next season. Yeah, I think that, that's, the, that's the reason to be positive. I think progression is the word... Wolves, it won't be as, as bad as it, this, it was this year. I, will, I would I desperately hope to think so. And I think it will be. So stay positive. It'll be an interesting summer, but uh, trust the process. Trust the process. Uh, myself and Liam will be doing uh, some end of season videos. I think I'm on you in a couple of weeks' time. So look out for them. They'll be running Monday to Friday in a couple of weeks. We're going to be taking a break from the podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this season. Uh, we will be back probably just before or right in the middle of Korea. Hopefully from Korea, Liam, uh, if we get the green light. And uh, look, it's going to be an exciting off-season. It's going to be a very busy off-season. And if something crazy, crazy happens, I'm sure we might have a one or two emergency podcasts hidden in there. But we're going to take a bit of a break. Uh, this has been a crazy season. But from a podcast point of view, amazing. You know, to have 13,000, 14,000 of you listening every single week, to have the live show, to... You know, introducing you know sometimes two episodes per week has been has been fantastic, and you guys have the response has been you know unbelievable. So uh, it's been fun, and especially with just me and you doing it, Liam as well. But I, I kind of like it, kind of like the the gruesome twosome. We're not bad, are we? We're all right. We do okay. We do, we do okay. okay. We do okay. As long as you guys keep listening, we'll still do them. So for the last time this season, uh, I hope you've had a good one from me, from Liam. Have a great summer. We will see you soon, and hopefully. We're going to have renewed optimism going into next season. Take care. Bye-bye. You better retreat because we're on the attack. The strength of the wolf is the strength of the pack. We're Wolverhampton. We're on.